He is a former Bass Nation national champion, a three-time classic qualifier, all the way from Louisiana. Caleb Summerall joins me this week on... I'm Bob Cobb from the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. Welcome one, welcome all friends, family, freeloaders, fishing freaks. Welcome to the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, which is Mercer. Thank you and happy hump day to each and every one of you. This week's guest, um, just an all-round good guy. And, and that's the one thing, one of the best comments that you guys ever give on this show, and, and I see it show after show and it is the biggest compliment ever and it's like hey man i got to learn so much about that angler or this person never knew they did this never knew they did that and that's what makes the elite series so incredible as it is um and not just the elite series the elite series where i work but competitive fishing in general um it's just amazing people that chasing a dream and some of those people have dreamed of this dream since they were little kids some of those people started dreaming as adults. Some of those people achieved this dream and started making this dream out of necessity. And this week's guest is exactly that. Caleb Summerall, a former Bass Nation national champion. And we talked about that being the working man's route to the Bassmaster Classic, to the Elite Series and all that stuff. There's been so many amazing anglers come from the Bass Nation circles in the past. Um but he was not the working man. He was literally the exact opposite. In the process of getting to the Bass Nation National Champion, basically lost his job and had one choice, and that was to win. And lo and behold, he did it. And qualified for the Bassmaster Classic, qualified for the Bassmaster Elite Series. And now he is a five-year Bassmaster Elite Series pro that literally last year was in the top ten for angler of the year this year just a little outside of the classic but when you see an angler when their bad years are just right there on that classic cut you know things are going very very good for an angler so not only a good dude not only a good angler but a great guest and let's get him up live right now all the way from louisiana the one and only caleb sumrall Caleb Summerall took us like a half hour to figure out how to do this together, but uh, our two countries have come together, both Canada and Louisiana have come together <laughs> this morning. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. I I have to apologize because I just like assumed that I had, we did an episode together, but it was at the beginning when I was doing like five different, and then I realized it's, I hate booking guests. Honestly, the only reason it changed is I thought it was cool to have five different pros, different things going on. It was super cool. But the thing I hate about a podcast is booking guests. So I didn't want to do the five guests a week. So we're having you on your very own show this Heck time yeah, around. Man. Appreciate but, it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, good to have you here. Before we get into things, I want to ask you a question, a story that uh, I'm aware of, and a lot of people are aware of, but I think a lot of people may have forgotten. Give me kind of the recap of, of how you ended up on the Bassmaster Elite Series. Oh, man. Uh, I actually just got back from the lake where it all started fishing the open. So, you know, I had a lot of fond memories, especially that same time of year when I won. So it was very cool. The fish weren't doing the same things, which I was, I was a little disappointed, but still it brought back 
you know, a lot of memories. I fished a classic there, but on Lake Hartwell. But to be back there in the fall was surreal. I mean, it was really cool just to be on the lake around the same time when I made it happen. And uh, now I, I worked in the oil field for, you know, right out of high school, busted my tail, um, lost my job after 12 and a half years and qualified through the nation championship to fish the national champ, the national bass nation national championship on Lake Hartwell. And uh, without a job and a pregnant wife, I won that tournament and dude been fishing the, the elite series for the past five years. And, and uh, whew, it's been a whirlwind of, uh, Lessons learned, the new friendships, and uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Do you think you'd be doing this if you hadn't have lost your job? Like, is this one of those classic stories of bad luck being I, good I, luck? It'd be, it, you know, if you could see how it all works out in the end? Absolutely, dude. I, I honestly would have been an idiot to give up the job and security that I had to come to, to do this bass tournament stuff. <laughs> you know, I mean, everybody... So I dude, I had this conversation 10 times a year with people when, you know, they tell me, man, you're living the dream. You're living the dream. I said, look, I don't take it for granted what I do, but I don't know if the stress level versus the all field versus tournament fishing is any less. It's uh, there's so many more uncertainties. You know, I had very, very strong, what I thought was very strong, strong job security in the all field. It just, it was just one of them years where it just took a dip and uh, my name came across the board. All that happened really. Well, I, I mean, I, I think it I think it all worked out the way it's meant to be. How long did it take you? Was it just a was this a master plan? Like once the situation laid in front of you or is it literally just uh, live and see life by the seat of your pants and you ended up here or, you know, when did the thought of being elite series pro start in your head? When did that thought start? Um, when I started doing the math in my head on the way in at day three when I realized when I heard that the leader had one bass and I had a limit and oh crap I could have a job after today and you know this was this tournament was all in dude it was um you know it was second place I get to fish the classic which I was in second place going into the first day the the last day with uh, like a three pound deficit and you know it was okay just go make that classic and we'll figure it out from there the, the aspirations to be in the elite series anglers, the dream was there, dude. I, I, you know, I was fishing a few opens that I, th I think I fished one of the divisions of the opens before that, maybe even fished the Northern just to kind of dip my feet in it. Um, just to kind of go see what up North was about, but it was never, I honestly don't know what I would have done if I were really caught them and got to where I needed to be to take that invite. So those thoughts didn't happen until like 10 minutes before I was crowned, dude. It was, it was crazy. I couldn't even talk. It was just like, it was crazy. Was it just emotion? Is that, it, oh, yeah. you couldn't, it, just so much coming at you at once, I guess. It was so much. Like, you got to realize, dude, even second place, I, I didn't have, I didn't have a job. Like, my, my boat was going to have to get sold. I was going to have to not have a boat. I was going to get to fish the classic. That was the goal. Just get to that classic, fish your classic, and then start over and then figure out how you can, uh, get a, a good job going again, get some security going, and then get back into that tournament angling part of doing it. Because, you know, when I did this, I was I, – I didn't have any sponsorship connections. I didn't have, 
you know, John Cruz had me on his bomb squad. And he helped me out a lot. You know, he, he gave me a bunch of advice in the beginning, but he never, I never really had a financial support or a bunch of contacts of people that when I did make it, I could start calling people yeah. you know, doing this. So, so without me making that, without winning, you know, this was a whole restart process to get back into it. It was, it was crazy. But things don't seem to take you long. Is it true? I mean, I think either I read this or you said this to me at some point. Did you fish your first tournament in 2013? Um, I bought my, yes, yes. I had, I had a 2000, 2000, oh man, what year was it? Might be a 2003 Allison was my first bass boat. And nice. uh, 2013 was my first bass tournament. I bought my first real bass boat, a fishing platform bass boat in 2014. And I won a big tournament down here. And then that's what lit the fire. I mean, do yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm 10 years into tournament angling as of right now. How big are your balls, dude? Like when you think <laughs> of the people that, that you, you look at all the chat in the opens now and, and all the guys trying to make it to the elite series, but you look yep. at, at anglers that have, that have literally tried to make it for as long as you've literally been competing. Was it just naive innocence or did you have that much confidence in yourself? I do. Confidence is probably one of my, my weaker points. You know, I, I, I don't think it was confidence. You know, I, I think it was just learning as I was going and trying to learn everything I could, you know, I keep, I keep saying how I won, dude. I caught fish on a drop shot in 42 foot in that one tournament. Okay. <laughs> but I can count, I can count how many times I've done that before that tournament. I, I probably never did it, you know, but it was, it was the fact that I knew that some of that was going to be going on and I was forcing myself to learn what I think I was going to get beat at not locking any, I, I, the will to learn, I think is what I have the credit to honestly, dude, I, I just, I wanted to learn what I didn't know. You know, I, I didn't want people taking my lunch money without me knowing how to do it too. So to go back to Hartwell, the spot where yep. it all happened, how different did that feel this time around? Like, how are you different as a person, as an angler? Oh, dude, that's, that's a great point, dude. Cause you know, I look back and I start thinking about, you know, just that day I lost so many fish and just the stuff that I, the, the techniques and the, the tricks that I know now, that I wish, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. You know, I wish I should have known now what I didn't know then. You know, like, oh, dude, I, I just there were so many. I would literally drive down the lake and say, oh yeah, I missed the big one out there. I wish I'd had these good hooks I got now, or just little bitty tricks. But, dude, it was so cool to fish that lake this fall and 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 get there get there around that time. I mean, dude, it was just surreal. The, the lake was turning over. The fish weren't schooling like they were when I won, but it was still cool to to be there around that time yeah and and i i mean we talked over the weekend just recreationally um yeah <laughs> and uh i'm just putting two two together you were with somebody not winning the bass nation but you were with rooming with coop cooper gallant who is going to make who made the bass master elite series this past yep. weekend um that that must have been cool too to to see him going through all that after it happened to you there too I Absolutely, dude. That you, you hit the nail on the head, dude. I got to meet Coop for the first time at uh, St. Lawrence this year. Just small talk with him, drank a couple beers with him. Coincidentally, he needed a spot to stay at Red River 
and he hit me up and we had like a little extra bed in the cabins that we were staying at. So I really got to see the kid grind, got a lot, earned a lot of respect for him, just talking to him, having some beers with him after the day and, uh, you know, just watching him get up and work all day. And then at Hartwell to see him grind for that, that dream that he had, dude, and make it happen. You know, he walked up to me, dude, after we were, I was putting some tackle away after he done, after he figured it out, he walked away from the stage, just walking into his show. He's like, Hey, Caleb, I made it. I, dude, I went nuts for him, dude. I jumped out the boat, picked him up, threw him on my shoulder, dude. I was, I was just so happy to see it, to see him do it, dude. I want to see good people do it. Coop's one of those good people. He sure is. Um, and weirdly enough, I think he has more tournament experience than you at this point. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> how much how much more prepared do you think Coop is to join the Elite Series than you were when you got your opportunity? Watching him with his grind factor, dude, <laughs> he is way ahead of me, dude. Like way ahead of me. He oh gosh, dude. My first year in the Elite Series, I was I was shark bait, dude. I'm telling you, looking back at what I do and some of the things I did. I, I was literally shark bait. Um, just, oh, he, he, yeah. No, there's so many. That's the thing. And I told him, I said, dude, never stop learning, dude. That's that's the deal. Every year, I don't care how old you think you get in this game, how many times you do it, there's always a lesson to take from almost every single event. Take what you can take from it and apply it to the next one if you can, dude, and it'll help you out. Do you learn more from a successful event or do you learn more from one that, is not successful. I think the best anglers learn something from every single event. Yeah. I think, I think as anglers, we should have um, the perfect filter. Cause you know, like even when you're talking to people about fishing, you know, people are going to tell you what works for them and it not, may, may not necessarily work for you. Um, and you tie that into, so oh, I might try that one little bit that he said, just having the filter filtering out what you can use and even in getting into fishing, you know, you know if something was a fluke or not, or if you build confidence in a certain technique that you caught them in doing this one time. Um, you know, it's not going to work everywhere, but you had that perfect filter of knowing just building your arsenal up of stuff to try, I guess you can say, and and confidence in trying to make a decision. It's a, it's, it's a big old equation, you know. I, I was explaining this to somebody the other day. Tournament fishing is like an equation. And certain guys' equations might be this long. Some guys' equations might be this long. And the whole process of you trying to plug in the right letter X, Y, Z to this, this, and this, to be able to end goal, become a champion is it varies. So you have to take, you have to build that equation or adjust it after every tournament. And I think that's the best way I can explain it. So if you were shark bait in season one, what would you say you are now? Oh, I'm, I feel like and, and just tell me what you honestly feel. Don't pull the tournament angler. Oh, well, if it's my time, it's my time. No, no, I, I dude, I last year I had one of the, the best. I had a breakout year. I finished seventh in AOI. Yeah. And I tasted blood. I tasted blood. That That's the best way I can explain it. Like I saw Sabine River, three fish that, oh, that's that could have been my win. You know, yeah. I, I I had the bites to do it. Now, everybody loses fish, right? I'm not going to sit here and tell that story, but I thought to myself, holy crap, I can win one of these. You know, it, it almost felt like my first year I was competing to compete. But as I'm going on, you know, I don't want to sit there and tell you, yeah, when my time comes, my time comes. I'm, I'm out to take all these guys' lunch money. So I, I want to do it. My confidence is growing a little bit. 
Um, you know, especially, you know, when we go to new places, I really love going to new places where I don't feel like there's a lot of preconceived notions. I can go by the fly and I always seem to do well when I can just go and, and run around and fish the moment and do good. If I, if I can ever teach myself to stop getting locked in the stuff and, and practice and put that equation together, mm, I feel like I can do a lot better. Well, and, and even if you look at this season, you know, you finished outside of the classic cut, but literally just yep. a couple of points. I mean, you're, yep. you're probably going to, when it's all done first or second person out of the second person of the classic, I guess, where it's all going to shake yep. up. So even from that, you have to take some solace and you know, the goal didn't get accomplished, but man, right. you were right there and it's literally almost less than a fish <laughs> like I, it, to, really to gain two points it's nothing like it it is one of your fish puked on the way back to weigh-in one day and that's the reason you're not in the classic absolutely man you know i lost some big ones at hawaii lost some big ones at wisconsin just part of the equation dude that, that's people people lose fish you know the guys above me guys below me it just when i had a bad one this year i had a bad one and you know, you listen to Swindle talk about the bad ones and how you gotta you gotta let them go and 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 not let it rest on your shoulders because that'll affect how you fish the rest of the year and stuff like that. You know, that really hits hard because you cannot let a bad event and there's sometimes dude, there's nothing you can do. It you know, just it's like nothing <laughs> nothing can go right. <laughs> but uh yeah, no, this year when I had a bad one, I had a bad one. When I had a decent one, I had a decent one. Didn't top ten anything. Um but overall, it was a decent season, but just missed that end goal. But like I said, I taste that blood. I'm going to come for it next year. You said that conf confidence is one of the areas where you think you lack. Um, as one of your friends, I don't feel like that is often something I would ever say about you. you I, but is it just the amount of the lack of experience in competition? Is that or have you always been? less confident than some people and all of this boisterous outside is just a big cover-up <laughs> no that's not the case at all I, when i say that i mean i fought for my first few years to become more confident in my decisions when i pulled the plug on whatever i was doing in practice during the tournament hour when the pressure was on you, you got two hours left you better catch a big one to get inside the cut because you know you're going to get cut having the confidence to do that to know that whatever idea just hit your head was the right one and follow your gut has been something i've been trying to make stronger my whole career um because the times that i have done that it's worked out more than times than not that's the confidence level i'm talking about um it's not it's not no necessarily talking about confidence in my ability i i you know Dude, I've been fishing the, five, the Elite Series for five years. That, that says a lot in itself. So whenever I get my ass kicked, I, I think about, hey, dude, you're veteran in a damn Elite Series. Dude, you're five years in the Elite Series. So that's that says a lot. So the confidence level overall is there. Just have to have the confidence in those decisions overall. You room with Lee Livesey, obviously, yep. and uh, spend some time with the Johnstons and that whole crew. Is that a good crew for your confidence or a bad crew for your confidence? I mean, that's a tough crew to roll with. Oh, dude. I mean, the accolades that those guys have stacked up, I mean, it's insane. Both everybody, you know, um, 
I can tell you this about rumor with Lee. I've learned I've learned a ton from Lee. Lee's been fishing a hell of a lot longer than I have tournament fishing. And uh, dude, we worked so well together. Like, you know, certain things we try, different sides of the lakes. So like we like perfect duo. We work just as hard. You know, push each other to be better. Call each other out when we suck. You know, just stuff like that pushes you to do better. You know, the, as far as for the Johnsons though, they lie and they they don't tell you shit. They do lie, don't they? <laughs> they lie so bad. <laughs> oh, they love to lie. They're so good at it. Um, I, dude, Lee specifically, and I've said it here a bunch of times, I, it amazes me, and I don't know if this is just in my head, but I look at what he's accomplished in such a short period of time Yep. on the Elite Series at Bass. I mean, he's four wins now, two century belts. I'm amazed that more people aren't freaking out about what he's accomplished you, you, do you do you feel that way is it like his laid back kind of texas approach that maybe has some people writing him under the radar because i just feel like with that many wins in such a short period of time and the way he's won man there should be a lot more people talking about lee livesey absolutely you know i, I do the dude's the dude's dangerous i mean he'll blast off with four rods on his deck and i'm a guy that has to have four rods on each side so that goes to the confidence deal that I was talking about. He knows that, you know, he don't get, he don't get tied up with, you know, whether or not this crankbait got purple in it or not. He's gonna, like, they're going to eat this one. And that when he ties that bitch on in practice or during the tournament, he'll throw it and he's either going to catch him on it or he won't. He's not sitting there really messing with. It's all about, we talk about it all the time. It's whether or not you feel it. You got, you have yeah. to feel it. You have to feel the confidence level in whatever you're doing, dude, he has it, dude. He, he, he's, he's a damn beast. Which tournament in your time competing, it, were you the most confident? Were you like, man, this is lining up for me? Gunnersville, 2019. Yeah. When I was fourth and I was catching and punching. Punching is my bread and butter, dude. If I can lock a big weight in my hand and, and flip, 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 flip. That was that was the one that I want back. Even and going to even the last year, the Sabine River tournament. That one was, you know, grinder tough on the South Coast. Like you catch you nine pounds a day, you're gonna be doing good type of tournament. That's the tournaments that are you're get you, if you get five to seven bites a day, those are my tournaments. That's the ones that I look forward to every time we go to one. I do not like slugfest. Slugfest, slug you got you got your few hammers that are gonna be out on top, and I feel like the rest of us are like it's like you put us all in a Yahtzee cup and you shake us up and spit us out. I want the toughest tournament possible, dude. I want five bites a day. You better put them in the boat. That's my tournaments. Yahtzee, are you good at Yahtzee? I, I mean, I don't think anybody's good at the Yahtzee. It's got to be total luck, right? Like checkers. <laughs> I, I have to give you the opportunity because lee did talk about it i mean it was quite a while ago but if you haven't seen that show go back to lee Livingston show <laughs> and he says that he beat you like 40 times in a row or something like that well what is, was, the, is the truth it, it, somewhere in the middle or is he telling the truth it was a weak moment you know um i kind of let him win again i get the upper advantage really might have had a few beers involved <laughs> So you think you were too drunk to play checkers? I didn't I know there was play. such a thing as too drunk. But I mean, it's not really a thinking man's game, is it? 
<laughs> no, apparently it's not. <laughs> yeah, he did beat me. He did beat me a bunch. Yeah. Do you guys compete at all, like all the time? Every single thing. Every single thing. It it does not matter what it is. There's a competition involved. It, is that something that exists in the entire elites? Absolutely. I feel like it oh, does. We're, we're competitors. We're competitors. And if you're not, then you're not in this for the long haul. You have to have that bloodthirsty if you, I'm going to take your lunch money mentality where we can be buddies. We can drink some beer. I'll help you out if you break down this, that, and the other. But when it's go time, it's go time. And that doesn't matter just bass fishing. <laughs> if we start a game of ski ball, it's going to be competition. Like, who do you think the most competitive person in the Elite Series is? Ooh. Most competitive? Mm. It's pretty argue, pretty hard to argue with Brandon's done. Brandon's pretty competitive. But I will tell you this. I, I have watched Corey Johnson just be your buddy, and then he, when he gets in the boat before blast off, it's like stone cold face. Don't even want to look at you. I was like, hey, dude, you got any more than Bates? And he's like, won't even look at you. Type of shut it off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think he hasn't won? <laughs> it's a hard to answer because you haven't either, so you also can't get in trouble. Um, we've talked about why he might 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 have or may may not have won. It's uh, you know, he says he'll get it done one day. We'll we'll just have to wait and see. He'll get yeah. he'll get he'll get another shot at Clayton next year. Yeah, and dude, I I feel like he's a. I mean, he's been so close. I mean, if it wasn't for his brother, everybody'd be talking about how great. Corey Johnson's elite series careers, but he's got that freaking brother, but he's had that other than a few years of his life. He's had that his whole life. I mean, I'm surprised that he has not stabbed his brother in the eye with a fork <laughs> by this point, because um, Chris is just an incredible, they're both incredible competitors, Absolutely. but the more pressures on Corey, because if Coop wins win. one before Corey, I mean, could you imagine that? it won't be pretty <laughs> no they're they're stout dude you got to give it to them they're great I've always, I've always tripped out on how those guys can come from way up there down south and catch them well yeah I, but, i've always thought about that and i'm like damn you know even in florida it's like canada must fish a lot like florida or something i don't know it does. It does. But where they live i mean the chain of lakes that they live on and that's one of the biggest things i think you know and I didn't even realize it when I growing up here, I did not realize that you just think, Oh, wow. You got all these different. And honestly, the only thing this part of Ontario doesn't have for anglers to kind of train on is tidal waters. Other than that, I mean, right. we have grass fisheries, we have rock fisheries, we have deep, shallow, like everything we have rivers. Um, so they're just as comfortable large anyway. mouth fishing as they are smallmouth fishing. Yep. Um, so it, uh, it's pretty amazing, but, but I didn't even realize that until I started traveling with the elites, you know what I mean? I didn't realize that until I went to a place, you know, like Oklahoma, I always use that example. And I'm like, there is, there's no grass here. What do you mean? Like there's, it's rock, you know what I mean? Like it just yeah. shocks you that it is as versatile as it is here. And I think just growing up here, I think we just 
don't think it is, but when you really look at it, I mean, they're pretty skilled in a lot of ways. And, and if you look at state-wise, outside of smallmouth tournaments, anglers from Canada do best in Florida events. Like, and that, not the just them. Like, the first Canadian ever to, to make the Bassmaster Classic is the late Hank Gibson. And he topped three the St. John's River. You know, so there, there's so many, there's yeah. a lot of history, but it's, I mean, the lakes that we live on are just like mini Okeechobee's, you know what I mean? And That's then there's great. the rock lakes that have got a ton of small mouth. And uh, so, yeah, it's a pretty good training ground. Um, and they've also put in a lot of time. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, like really. Just, yeah. And you have too. Yeah, Dude, yeah. I don't think you get credit. You and Lee don't get credit enough for the amount of time you've put in rounding out your game was that just through not catching them that you're like, man, I need to figure out this. No, absolutely. Like I, I, like I told you earlier, dude, if, if I'm getting beat by any one thing, it, it, I don't sleep well, dude. I got, I have to go figure it out. Like, you know, it used to be when side scan and down scan really got keyed in and, you know, me and a buddy were on Salida Bend and there was hay grass and we were, dude, we were, punch and flip all June and we'd always place in a tournament, but we'd never win. So one day, you know, he got some good graphs on his boat. Dude, we went out there for three weekends and literally just crap until we figured it out. Like, okay, those are fish turn around, throw back in there, catch up, get a school of fish fired up. And they're like, all right, this is what we've been missing. So since we did that, dude, it, it comes down to catching smallmouth for me or just the, the new, I mean, forward facing sonar, the, the, the wave of the future. I was not going to be left behind on that. You know what I mean? Like it, it, you can be headstrong with some things, but you better be a well versatile is going to win more than sticking to your guns more times than not. And that's what I think. That, that's my mindset with the angling. You have to be able to do all of it with a few strengths in there, know when to do each one. So versatility over like, you know, you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. That's what I feel like. What what do you think the future of forward facing sonar is? What where like where does it go from here? Mm, that's a very good question. I thought about that a bunch, honestly. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's gonna go anywhere. And I know some people say they'd rather see it gone. Uh that there's that whole controversy topic about that, but more people than not, you know, are are stuck on it. I I, I honestly feel like it is changing the way lakes fish. Um you know, I, I feel like there's a bunch of fish that don't get the break that they used to. Yeah. Um, and that's just part of fishing, though. Um, you know, that's, that's that's a good topic, dude. I, honestly, I, I the way I like to fish, shallow power fishing. Oh, hang on. Uh, this is so awkward. I'm so my bad. I, I got a call. <laughs> call him back. Trying to be professional here. Caleb. In the voicemail. I'm sorry, bud. How, what was I saying? Oh, the way I like to fish, shower, shallow power fishing. I would prefer not to have it at all. I, I feel like my game would excel without it. Um, now, with that being said, I use it. And there's times this year where it has helped me religiously. Um, just we have to make peace with that. It's just going to be part of the future. It's just, it's, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. And I also think a point has to be made that, that gets, 
you get two groups. You get the people that love it and think it's the great and they're learning so much from it in the future. And then you get the other group that hates it and thinks it's going to destroy the sport, which I will say that we've heard that before about other technologies. Yeah. Um, but it's also not as simple as people make it out to be. You know, like, oh, like no. it, there is a huge group of people on the internet that have never used forward facing sonar that literally believe you turn it on the fish wave a white flag and you just pick which one you want. I mean, like many techniques, like many approaches, it takes a lot of time to get it dialed in. And even when you get it dialed in, you're still learning. Absolutely. Dude. You, you, here's one thing I, I've learned with it a lot. Not every fish in the lake is willing to eat. I mean, dude, you, you there's still feeding windows. There's still conditions that make them bite better. Um, you'll learn a lot about your bait. Oh, maybe a jerk bait's too much, and they'll swim away from it, dude. They will literally run away from it. So there's there's lessons to be learned with it too, dude. It, it's not as easy as it seems. It's very hard. The guys that are really good, they they've gotten so good with it that they can actually hunt down individual fish and yeah. follow them until they bite, and that's impressive because I haven't been able to do that yet. You know, you need perfect conditions to do that. Smooth, calm and be able to stick with this individual fish while it swims around is very tough. So kudos to those guys doing that. Do you think it'll make the shallow bite better in the future? There's people that think that, Hey, as more pressure goes on those fish that are out, there's going to be less pressure on the fish that are in, which is the fish that you really like to fish for. Absolutely. I mean, dude, yeah, it can, but dude, you can, I mean, I actually target on my, my boat right now. I could use it in two foot and catch them on a two foot. Now, as far as for bank beating, yeah, but most definitely there's a pressure that comes off of that big time. So you think that the biggest misconception is that it's just a deep water tool? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. yeah it, I mean, you. everybody wants to go out deep and look, but dude, there's so many fish in that mid-range where I feel like a lot of guys, so even when you were idling, when you idled over 10-foot hump, I mean, there was no guarantee that those fish were going to let a 250-horsepower engine idle over their head. So they'd swim off. So if you pull up to a hard spot, a roadbed, or a point in 10 foot, you just throw down your trolling motor and scope farm. That's what a lot of people don't do, honestly. And you'll see if there's an individual couple fish there and you can catch them. Yeah. And it, and it allows people to, I noticed it like, I mean, on the St. Lawrence River this year, which again was a tournament that the people that dislike forward facing sonar said, oh, another forward. For a smallmouth bass tournament, that was not dominated by forward facing sonar. Actually, but the, the one area that I saw was dominated was relocating those fish. So when you bust up a bunch of, I mean, you can see them in the flats, you know, but when you bust them up, like, where do they go? Cause once they get out of your vision, I mean, they're ghosts. It's amazing. Yeah, oh, yeah. They disappear, but people could use that to relocate that group of fish a lot and, quicker. And, and one thing people don't talk about on that river often enough is dude, if those fish don't want to be seen, they will not be seen. Yeah, they'll put their bellies on the bottom and you will not see them in the current. That's what they do. They'll sit so tight to a rock. You can't scope them in the river. So it, it yeah, it may be a forward facing sonar that a bunch of guys catch them if the lake conditions play. But, you know, if we go next year and the wind blows 30 out of the West, you know, we'll be fishing the river in the current and there won't be any scoping that plays probably. Yeah. So it's a give and take. Speaking of give and take, is Matt Robertson just really bad at wrestling or are you just really good at wrestling? He, he's so bad at it. <laughs> He'll be so mad at me for this, but he's so bad at it. 
<laughs> but I think he's training. I think I think he's training. I mean, you. Oh, we we have most definitely unearthed something. Oh yeah, we've motivated him to. He's coming for blood. What has he let on to you? What who he's training with or what he's doing? But but he was. He, he lost again this do, past he... weekend to. I mean, whether the footage is earthed or not, I've seen it. He <laughs> lost twice to a guy who just barely made the elite series he was in the elite series pro for like three minutes. And then he already beat Matt Robertson and that's Cooper Glant. But man, he, he showed some promise in some of those fights. I mean, he, he did have some moves. What is he learning? I don't know. He's going for these arm bars and leg locks. And I'm like, what are you doing? dude? <laughs> <laughs> he's most definitely watching him in a headlock. <laughs> he's most definitely watching some YouTube videos or something at a minimum. Does that concern you? That I mean, like, I mean, he's going to oh, have a bunch might... of months, and he'll come at you at the first event. You know, he'll. The dude's been running and working out, dude. There's going to be a time where he's going to give me a run for my money. I guess. I told him though. I said that was it. So I, we, we're done. It's over. But it. With Matt, it's never over. He he just he'll he feels motivated. He's gonna work out. He's been doing good too. Lost a bunch of weight. He really has lost forty pounds. Looking good and and, and dude, that, that's impressive. Yeah, and it, and it it's good for the rest of the elite series that, that Matt Robertson's spending his off season working on wrestling. Uh, <laughs> dude, because the dude can catch him. Like seriously, <laughs> stay focused on that, Matt. Yeah, he can catch him, man. And and I think people take some of that shtick and some of the jokes and stuff for granted. Like, you know, they think, oh, Matt's just a show pony. But, man, I mean, if he's proven one thing, he's proven he can catch him. You know, not just to – he made it through the weekend series to begin with, and now he's made two classics through the Elite Series and this year in contention for Angler of the Year. You want to talk about confidence. That dude has confidence – a confidence level nobody on the elite series has ever had like really no you want to talk about confidence that dude's got confidence well i mean he did walk in a room with a top hat and a fur coat the very <laughs> first were you in that classic was that the ray roberts classic i don't i don't remember i shouldn't ask the question but i just remember when he walked into the room like the amount of confidence that he oozed walking in with a fur coat. And I'm like, this dude qualified through the weekend series and he's confident enough to do this. What's the most confident thing you've ever seen him do while I plug in my computer? Cause it's about to go dead. <laughs> oh man. The most confident thing I've ever seen him done. I mean, coming after me three times after <laughs> I've already beat him out in three seconds, he'll get up <laughs> from a loss in wrestling and be like, I'm gonna kick your ass next time. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the only dudes I know that that gets up from being choked out and says, "Well, you didn't choke me out. I mean, I I didn't lose. I never went to sleep." Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> quite proven. How did the wrestling thing start with him? Um, Seth Fighter started to shit pot, and <laughs> and and literally made it happen. I mean, I was just enjoying a a dinner with some beers and. Spider was just like, I think you can take Caleb. I think you can take Caleb. <laughs> and that's how it started. People make people make a lot of foolish decisions over beers. And um and a lot of one of my best worst decisions I ever made was with you this year when we went to go see uh the Whiskey Myers concert. I mean, dude, I 
I can't believe we did that. I showed up to take off with like 10 minutes left to spare. I just had to talk. How rough was the next day for you guys? You know, I, it was tough because we only got like, what, three hours of sleep. You know, wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't drunk at all. But we went <clears throat> and we went out the next day. And I think I caught a decent bag, 12, 13 pounds and finished like the event like 28th. It was a hard limit to catch because it wasn't easy. Chickamauga wasn't easy everywhere. But no, dude, I want to think where it's like when five years down the road, 10 years down the road, we'd be sitting down having some beers talking about how we didn't go to Whiskey Myers or did we? <laughs> and then that's literally, I think, what I told you. And you were like, all right, we're going. I know Lee keeps throwing that line back that I used at dinner. I think I said, well, we're not going to sit around and talk about all the great sleep we got that one night. Exactly. <laughs> the next thing. <laughs> So, I mean, hey, it worked out. It was a great concert. Those dudes are incredible. Um, I've incredible. talked about them a lot on this podcast. I mean, they're so incredible. What really amazes me is just how into the sport of fishing they are. Like, you know, they, they want to talk about fishing. They don't want to talk about music. They want to talk about fishing. Yeah, yeah, which uh, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's It's awesome to have that kind of support. You've got a lot of support around you. What is the best advice you've ever been given? In life, in fishing, or anything, Ooh. dude, you gotta have fun with it. You gotta have fun with it. Um, everything, everything in life, you know, just whatever it is you're doing, you have to have a, you have to find a way to smile, laugh, and have fun with it. And if you, if you do that, fishing, work, whatever, you find a way to have a little bit of fun in everything. Your life's not gonna be that bad. Were you the same before the Elite Series? Did you fit? Because I can just imagine people listening as well. I'd be having a lot of fun too if I was fishing the Elite Series. Were you the same when you were working in, in the oil field? I, dude, all of my employees, we always worked and laughed. We always found a way to laugh. That was one of the things that we did to deal with the 14 to 16 hour days, the hot ass days, the sweat. And that's what we did. Dude, we all had little jokes. I mean, dude, when I started, we used to. Oh gosh, the jokes we used to play. They used to throw firecrackers in the bathroom when you had to, when you were in there <laughs> just to scare the crap out of you. I mean, just little bitty shop antics that that taught me that honestly, dude. I mean, the group of guys I was working with, we had to have some type of laugh to get us through the day. And yeah, I yeah, it was most definitely a, a mentality back then too. Is that like a Louisiana thing? Because I'm just like, as you said that, I'm thinking and I'm like, everybody, I mean, anybody who spends any time in Louisiana knows they are some of the finest people on earth, you know, accommodating, welcoming. Um, but man, they're always laughing. Like when I really think about everything that people in Louisiana have been through for generations. Yep. But they're all, every, I'm trying to think of like somebody, a, they're always, you know, like a pretty upbeat, happy, you know, Absolutely, jokey type dude. group of people. Absolutely, dude. You ever want to see what Louisiana is about? You go to LSU tailgate game or just any any type of little drinking function. Dude, there's going to be more laughs and fights every single time, dude. Everybody loves just to laugh out here, dude. It's hospitality at its best. Yeah, it. it uh, I've never been to that, but I was at Cliff Crochet's wedding, which was almost – the exact same size. Imagine what you got into there. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I was, I was emceeing an event in, um, oh, where, where, uh, West Monroe, 
So it's like five hours to yeah, be yeah. apart from it's there. Far at all. Uh, yeah, just down the road. So I said, uh, <laughs> so I'm leaving the event and I've got permission to go. I'm going to take a day off and I'm going to go to my buddies because they had asked me and I already told Cliff I was going to the wedding. So I said, well, I'll MC that event, but I need to take this day off. So I called Cliff and I'm like, how do I get there? But give me your address so I can put in GPS. He just put in Pierre Pot. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean put in Pierre? Pot? Just put in Pierre Pot. So I put it in, I'm driving for five hours and I'm thinking, what is this idiot? He's like, so as I get like an hour away, we talk again. And, and I said, well, what, where do I need to go? You'll see it. And I, <laughs> I said, down. I said uh, well, dude, I mean, I'm going to be there right before it starts. So I don't want to be wasting any time. Don't worry. You see it. So I go into Pierre partners, like a convenience store. And I'm like, well, that's not it. And I didn't drive very far, but then I saw every freaking car for miles, miles to come. And, and, I, and he was right. I did see it and uh, I didn't need an address, but same kind of people. So welcoming. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's just oh, yeah. uh, a celebration of life, really. Like, I mean, I hate that using that term because people use that for funerals nowadays. I, um, but, but that's not what I, I mean. It's just people. You can tell these are good, hardworking people that that celebrate life every single day. It seems you want to see it. You want to see Louisiana as finest dude. Wait till after a, a storm hit, God forbid it ever does again. But you know, last year we had, uh, I forget the name of the storm, uh, but it was category four. We lucked out on my side of the, on the storm. It was actually a very small storm, but an hour down the road was devastation. Yeah. And dude, the people that come from around the area, I went help for a week and, and started doing some work there and helping people patch roofs and stuff. People just showing up with just supplies and just water and drinking gas for generators. No benefits of it whatsoever. There's no, you know, financial benefit whatsoever other than just feeling good about life to helping people. That's where you see Louisiana shine, dude. Like they will come to help neighbors like you wouldn't believe. They really, they're a really a special group of people. Why does nobody ever leave? You know what I mean? Like you would think if, I mean, you guys can't believe that I live where I live because of snow, but I'm like snow almost never knocks your house over. No matter, even if you got, you got to have a really bad house for snow to knock oh, yeah, it over. Dude. I mean, dude, and then you get storm surge where I'm from, uh, you know, if, the, if that storm would have squared up with us, we would have had storm surge. And we talked about it a bunch. It's just so, we're so ingrained into this lifestyle of being down here. You know, we talked about, we, I mean, we're still not against it. You know, I want to get to a, a part of the country where I can fish a few lakes and, yeah. and just go fishing because the fishing does get tough where I live at certain parts of the year, certain times of the year. And I, I want to go to a place where, you know, I can go to a lake, a reservoir and sharpen my skills when I just want to go fishing. So yeah, it's not off the table, but it's, it's a hard trigger to pull, man. Yeah. I mean, home's home and special, and it's same thing. I, say about here i mean i love where i live but i also love where i live because my family's here and i'm not always here and you know it's good to my wife's friends are here you know what i mean like it it's good to know when you're away that there's people around home that will help if, if need be um it uh so i don't even know if we're supposed to talk about this or if you've actually made up your mind about this are you fishing more tournaments next year 
I, I, you know, I started thinking about it every day since I told you about it. I think I will. I'm going to fish the, at least two divisions of the opens um, and really grind it out. I got one other business endeavor that I'm, I'm contemplating on here the past couple of days. Um, actually, two of them. I'm going to be getting my captain's license and doing some saltwater trips in the fall and stuff like that cool. with a bay boat. Um, so that just kind of keeps me fishing, keeps me fishy keeps a little fall income coming in um so yeah i just need to put i just need to put it on paper but so what one thing i've learned from the last couple opens i fished uh so i, I realized that i was going to be out of the classic in my last few years with the elites i've thought, always thought that it was better to focus on the elites yeah but now that i'm getting a little more a little more experience with how to handle tackle how to handle my rest um, you know, I feel like, you know, my knowledge of fishing is getting growing every day. I feel like I can take a little less stress off of those fish a few more opens to kind of instill that winning mindset. The op If I would just do the opens, it would be to win or nothing. You know, I'm already in the elite. So if I win, great. If I don't, oh, well. So swing the, to win and try to instill that winning mindset it goes back to learning something that I don't know. You know, I feel like that closing factor with the elites is what I need to grow that, that, that freaking, I'm going to put the last nail in the coffin and get it done because it's hard to catch fish four days in a row, you know? So I, I think I'll fish at least two divisions of the opens next year, whether it's the, I think they're called division one, division two, and division three, but I think I'm going to do everyone, but the, the Northern section, the Southerns and, and the. Will that allow you to, experiment almost Absolutely. so to speak like because you can't, there's no experimenting in the elite series you need to get points every single day and if you Absolutely. don't get five fish every day it becomes really difficult to get said points absolutely so it, i mean it'd be no pressure fishing and who knows you win one open that takes pressure off of the elite series so how dangerous could you be if you get that that classic berth or nice early in the year and then start doing some work on the elite series because you got nothing to lose so i mean that's our goal every year is to make the classic you cannot win the classic if you're not there so it does weigh on your mind every tournament you you know you, you shoot for, to make a cut and you know if you make nine cuts you're not going to be out in the classic that's the goal roundabout goal plus or minus i will say this about our group this year though i feel like this year was the hardest points grab i've ever faced fishing the elite series when i say that i mean the guys that caught them, caught them the same every event. There were some tournaments where going before we went north uh, to Hawaii and Wisconsin. Um, you know, if, if, if you finished a top 30, yeah, you'd move up, but you didn't move up like you thought you should move up. Yeah. Like the guys that were in that classic range consistently caught their ass. And it that's cool, dude. <laughs> that's, that's part of the, the game we played. This year's group was stout. It's only going to get better. I mean, I you look at, I mean, dude, you look at Coop now and he's Absolutely. just getting started. Where is he five years from now? I mean, he could go down a bad road if he keeps rooming with you, but <laughs> I, I don't, I mean, you just look at our field and, and the hunger and the amount of the college things, what blows me away that, I mean, Coop is not, I mean, he fished some, 
collegiate events and stuff like that growing up, but he's not a, a you know, a recipient of the college plan. I mean, he did it kind of himself. It's not near as big a deal in Canada. Um, not college, collegiate fishing. We do have colleges and universities and all that sort of stuff and houses without igloos. Um, but I just look at all those anglers that are coming and it's just like, man, like Cody Huff was not a, it's amazing no. that he didn't win rookie of the year. You know what I mean? Jay, that shows how insane what Jay Securic did was, but I mean, he's no rookie. Jacob Fouts is no rookie. I mean, these guys no. are as, as dialed in and as focused as veteran pros in the past. They don't get a year to be shark bait anymore. It doesn't seem. Absolutely, dude. 100%, dude. I mean, you have to, you get, you get one year and, and you better, you get, so you get two years and you better finish at least mid-pack that first year if you don't want pressure on you on the second. Is the best way I've seen it for the the guys coming in. You it's, got and they, and they do they're doing it, dude. They're doing yeah. it like it's it blows my mind the the skill level that's coming into this deal. I think that's the greatest pressure on an angler. Like to be honest, like you compare pressures, and we always talk about it. You know, the pressure to seal the deal on an angler of the year, the pressure to win angler of the year the pressure to wake the classic the pressure but the biggest pressure that you see the biggest pressure you feel around an angler all year long isn't angler of the year it isn't the classic cut it's those dudes that everybody knows that they might be getting eliminated i mean yeah. people stop talking to them and it's not not it's not out of disrespect it's out of people respect don't handle, hey you don't, you wanna, just don't know how to handle it and you don't right. even want to i think when you're catching them, you don't even want to look at it you know right. what I mean? You don't even want to think of that as an option, but it is, it's a evil truth about our sport. And it is dude. It scares the death out of me, dude. I mean, I don't, I don't want to go back. Honestly, I, I, I tell it to everybody. I'll go, I'll die before I go back to the all field. You know, <laughs> I, I will. I just, I enjoy this life. I enjoy the friendships I've made and enjoy the lessons I've learned. Um, it, it, it is some pressure. So this year I had some pressure off because it was my fifth year. So we know the way the elites work, you get, you get a drop year after your fifth year. So, you know, I told myself if I had a decent this year, I dropped my worst finish, which was like a 66. And that'll solidify two to three more years at a minimum yeah, of, of career. So, you know, the next two years, you know, I, I don't have to worry about getting cut. I, I need to worry about stepping it up, you know, I feel like, you know, there's different guys in the elite series and you're all super competitive. Every single one of you oh, yeah. all in different ways. All, you know, some are outwardly, some are not, um, but all super competitive. You have to be to, to have read a, read a magazine, watched a TV show and said, man, I think I can do that right there. That's what I'm going to do. You have to be a competitive person, but I kind of get the feeling that there is some people on the elite series and they're there for one reason that's to collect trophies and get as much hardware as possible. That's I feel like you like trophies and you want to achieve all that, but I feel like, and maybe I'm reading it wrong. I feel like you are more about collecting memories. Dude. I want to, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I, I I've, I've, I've found a job that I truly love. It's not monogamous. It is straight up changes every day and yes dude memories last way longer than trophies man uh dude put it this way you know i'm not gonna get all sentimental but 
dude, Lee's a brother from another mother, dude. I would have never met that dude if it wasn't for fishing. Me and him are the same person, you know, it just, it, it just stuff like that. And so many other friends, dude, it's just, you don't, you don't have a price on that. So you as well, dude, you've done, you've done everything you could to help me out. I'd never known you if I didn't make the lead. So it's, yeah, I, I, I love that side of it. I, I really do. Yeah. And, and I feel that way about our gig, but I'm a little older than you. So I think as you age, you get, you start feeling, you start realizing, you know what I mean? Like at the end of the year, I mean, traditionally I'll go on other podcasts and one of the questions they'll always ask me is, you know, what are the greatest memories of the year? And I know what they want to hear. I know they want to hear, okay, when Paul Nick won angler of the year and when this and that, and I usually give them something like that, but always the first things that come to my head, it's flashing moments like that whiskey Myers night or yep. just something. It doesn't even have to be something elaborate like that. It just be one day we were all together and something hilarious. Had, like, I mean, you don't plan it. It just, no, no. Yeah. And, and you're, and we're, I mean, I, I feel like when I was a kid, I used to think that one day I'm going to be an adult and I'm going to, you're not really just, if you're a kid listening to this, let me tell you how the future goes. You just act like an adult in front of your parents in front of your kids. <laughs> so, so you can be a parent other Everybody. than that. I mean, I still laugh at fart jokes. I still, I mean, <laughs> somebody threw some fireworks into the bathroom when someone else, not when I was going, when someone else was going, I'd find that hilarious. Um, <laughs> we're no different, but I think that because we get to work in such a, unique and weird environment i think we get to have a lot more of those amazing moments that 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 become memories that that are the reason like one day you'll be an old dude sitting on a rocking chair and probably not going to talk about trophies and stuff like that you're just going to talk about you know memories and and yep. that's one of the things i appreciate about you you've always i've always found you to be that way you know like a guy who that. who um who focuses on memories more as far as trophies go, how focused are you on them? Like what, what dream world you got Dude. some beautiful pictures and a rack behind you. Now a fan, which is a important thing to have <laughs> in the great state of Louisiana. What do you want that wall to have Dude. 10 years from now, 15 years from now? I'd like, I'd like, you know, I'd like the trifecta, dude. I want a blue one. I want a classic. I want an AOI trophy, dude. I really do. I want, I want, I want, at a minimum, one of each, you know, dude, I want, I want to do enough in this sport that when I can't do it no more, my kids are talking about fishing. Axel's talking about fishing. Clay Lee's talking about fishing. They're like, yeah, my dad did that. Something for them to be proud of that their dad did that, that they can show the trophies off later. Dude, that's, that's all I want out of this. Honestly, I want to make a career out of it. I want to, I want to be able to be financially stable doing it. And yeah, I want some trophies, dude. I want them bad. I can't tell you how bad I do want them, but I'm not going to, you know, deter the fact of how long the longevity of the, how long I want to do this is the mango. I want to be doing this for a very long time. And all points to that being the case. Um, is it frustrating to watch a guy? like? Is there any frustration in you at all to watch a guy like Lee roll up and pong, 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 win? I even Absolutely. when he thought he wasn't going to win. Absolutely not, dude. I will I will forever root for my boys until it's my time. And you'll never see me fault anywhere different. I will be their be I'll be their biggest damn fan, dude, until it's my turn. 
I like to see good people win the right way. And dude, I will never be jealous of that ever. That, that, that right there makes you a good person. And that right there is also the reason that people are going to cheer for you to win. You know I what I mean? Because I really do. I mean, dude, competitive sports in general, you just watch it nowadays. It's so messed up how everything is about, you, you know what I mean? It's win at all costs and that's almost celebrated. But, yep. but I think that the, the biggest thing that to me is different than because dude, this was my dream too. You know, like when the thought of me being the MC for the vast master elite series, the classic came about, like that was a dream. Like, and to yep. do this, I always look back and I'm like that the those memories and those things are the part of the job that I didn't even think about at the time. Like I was right. like, man, I'm going to do this and I'm going to get to be right near so-and-so when they win this and that. And um, just be prepared. It, You're going to get an ugly cry if I ever do it. It's going to be oh, nasty. Oh, yeah, I bet you ball. I will. I will. I guarantee I will. There ain't no manly man stuff when I win one. It's going to be ugly crying. <laughs> well, I'd rather have that. I'd rather have oh, that than oh. Jay Shakurik. I mean, I didn't know whether he won or not. <laughs> I mean, he's just, he said Don't, one time oh. in his victory, he's like, I may get emotional here in a moment. And that's the closest to emotional he got. They Do you think that's pay. an advantage to somebody that's able to be like that than somebody who is clearly emotional like you are? They 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 tried to pay him a thousand dollars to look at Corey and say there's a new king on the St. Lawrence River, but he Come wouldn't on. do it. <laughs> they Matt just... Robertson and Lee Livingston tried to pay him to say that he wouldn't do it. <laughs> wow, Corey got upset enough that he said. You've been beating up on my guys long enough. The Sturgeon Bay tournament. I had to come down here and take one from you. Um, I would have loved it. If he had said there's a new king. I mean, oh, it's been awesome. Oh, but I mean, he didn't say it with his words, no, but Corey, if you're kid. listening, there is, I mean, <laughs> he weighed more than you and uh, it's no different than boxing. I mean, he's got the title right now. Um, Corey was so pissed to weigh in a hundred pounds and not win. Like anybody else would have been like, I broke the century mark and Corey, right? I mean, I'm sure he's happy about that, but not so happy to be immediately the second biggest way ever. Make, in. That's that goes into that freaking closing mindset, dude. You never satisfied with the results, no matter how good they are until you get your goal. That's, that's that mindset. If you were in his shoes, would you have taken the thousand dollars and looked at Corey straight in the eye and told him there's Absolutely. a new king? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a thousand dollars. I don't care how much you make the rest of your life, Jay Shakirk. That's a thousand dollars you're never gonna make again. And that thousand dollars <laughs> came from Matt Robertson and Lee, which just makes it even better. Absolutely. And um, and it would come at the expense of one of their good friends, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> uh fitness is a big deal for you. Uh, yep. has it always been that way? No, man. Uh dude. <laughs> I come out of a, I, I worked, like I said, when I worked in all field, I was very, phys, I had a very physical job for the first seven, eight years. And then I moved into the office later, got into management and became, I lost that athletic ability that I've always had. And then when I started fishing after my first year, I realized that, hey, this wasn't, wasn't feasible. This ain't going to be sustainable if I'm going to be standing on the front of the boat for 14 hours a day, sometimes three weeks in a row. Yeah. So I started the running thing, you know, started running a lot and uh, 
really got into the run-in deal a lot. I really liked to run in. It really helped me meditate. And here this past year, just started doing a lot more lifting, just kind of brought my, my body weight back up. Don't know if I like the, the heavier body weight so much. It's still, I feel like it weighs on my ankles a little bit more during the day. So I think I'm, uh, next year I'm going to focus on setting a couple goals of trying to find that perfect balance between running and lifting. I think that'll be the, the perfect Caleb equation for fishing. I just like the way it feels. I, I recover faster, faster after an event. Um, you know, like I said, when I'm running up, it's like a meditation, dude. I think about all the things I have to do when I get home to, to load the boat, got to tie this on, got to tighten this up. Um, it's just a perfect meditation to get started for, for an event. I really do like it. Which you'd never take normally. Like, I mean, it's easy to sit. If you stop to try and think of those things, it's just, it doesn't happen. But when you're running, yeah. it, it's, there's nobody bothering you. Your mind's wandering all over the place. And, um, yep. It's it's one of the biggest things that I miss about running. And it's one of the reasons that I, I definitely need to and want to get back into all that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, I heard you say that at the end of the season. That's where I was going, because I remember at the end of the season, you said that, I think, to Cruz. You were like, this lifting thing isn't working for me. I need to get back to running. Um, is it really that simple? Is it just like, like do you, does your fitness affect you that much, do you think? I mean, it, I guess the answer is yes. I will tell you this, dude, I, I became a lot stronger this year and whether or not that changed the way, how hard I sit the hook a couple on a couple fish and lost a couple fish this year. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't, it's just part of figuring out that equation. I caught the snot out of him when I was running, I finished top 10 in AOI. My confidence level was so good. Um, I, I just feel like that perfect. I, I need to have that meditation of running mixed back into it. I, that, that's so yeah i mean talking to cruz is another fitness dude he, he loves that and he's one of the probably one of the ones that that i started looking at that doing that and i said well maybe i should start trying to do that too um so yeah dude i just i think i just would like to change it up and constantly trying to figure out what i can do to catch them better dude whatever it takes like whatever it takes so when does the tournament start for you like we've got a tournament one month from today is your prep already started or are you a few I mean, weeks dude, away? I, you know, so I got Rayburn coming up. So I'll look at Rayburn like an elite event. I'm going to go do one day of practice tomorrow. I'll probably leave my boat there. We're going to come back. Whiskey Meyer is playing next, next to the house. So I'm going to do that for a couple of days. But <laughs> we're going to, uh, man, a tournament starts for me. I wish I, I wish I could pre-fish a few more events. Um, it's just, it's such a financial burden to, to go pre-fish. Um, I feel like this year I could probably start doing that to a couple events. I've never been a pre-fish guy. I really like to put my boat in. I, I'll do some map study, circle a few areas to start in practice, like a day or two before. Um, you know, of course I do my research on, you know, what baits they might bite, you know, do some YouTube videos, research and stuff like that. But, um, look at what's been taken to win tournaments before I get there. But after those first few spots that I kind of wave on, like I probably start practice, it's all by feel after that. And that's that's how I like to fish my events is, is no preconceived notions. I told this to somebody the other day. You know, you make a – I make a Sportsman's Outfitters order almost before every tournament. Preconceived notions of, oh, man, I need some of this. I need some more yeah. of this. I need that. 
nine times out of ten, you don't use crap out of with that order that you've placed. You, like it blows my mind. Unless you're going to St. Lawrence and you need drop shot baits or drop shot weights where you know you're going to need that stuff. But uh, so preconceived notions is I, I, a tournament starts for me a couple of days before practice starts. Yeah, not only do you not use half that crap, you always end up catching them on the one thing that you hardly have any of. It seems so, like it's like the fish can tell. Absolutely. I have, I have what's called fear of missing out with that stuff. I, <laughs> dude, I, if I get on a flipping bite, I'll have five different flipping sticks out. You'll never see me with the other Caleb. We're, we're total opposites. Caleb will have a jig and a spinnerbait on his front deck. I'll have three different jigs and four different spinnerbaits. Just a fear of missing out. If I pop one off or, you know, just, Look at Lee. Lee fished. Lee won Ross Barnett. He went to Ross Barnett with one pack of lizards. You do not go to Ross Barnett pre-spawn pre, pre without lizards. That's a cardinal sin. Like, they eat June bug lizards on that lake. It's been known for the past 10 years. He goes there with one pack of them, catches 26 pounds or whatever he catches, goes into day two has three left in the pack, starts bumming around until he finds some lizards. I said, dude, I wouldn't have been able to think like that. I drove two hours to go get a pack of lizards <laughs> down the road. <laughs> but that's also part of what makes Lee. Dude, there's Lee. a history of people from his part of the world, and I say it to him all the time. I mean, he reminds me just of Kelly Jordan. You know, like when Kelly, when Kelly was most lethal on the elite series. That's how he was just so laid back. So like I used to explain to him, he's kind of like a surf bum that fishes and, and Lee in a lot of ways is like, the, you know what I mean? He's very prepared and he's, he spent very. thousands, if not millions of hours of his life perfecting the sport and, and what he does, but he's super laid back. He is Absolutely. super so I asked you that, and then we got off on a bet thing. Do you think somebody that's laid back like that or a Jay Shakurik, an emotionless person, do you think they have an advantage over somebody like yourself that is clearly emotional? Absolutely, dude. I'm, I'm almost enemy half the time, dude. Uh, you look at Jordan Lee, laid oh, back, yeah. don't care, won everything. I mean, dude, you look at so many guys that are just laid back. I mean, Caleb Kupal freaking caught three 30-pound bags in one tournament, dude. <laughs> That should be a trophy in itself. Uh, didn't win, but that's impressive. I mean, dude, just that he won at Gunnersville, just laid back, just you know, just that laid back mentality and that that one rod Todd grinding is just it's it has its place in our game big time. Do you is that something you try to learn? Not the one rod thing, but to be level-headed or is that just yeah. something that will come or has come with experience you got to play your own game man I, I i think it'll come with experience and it comes down to like i said having confidence in your decisions of when you make that decision you're mellowed out you're you fish well you have to feel it you have to feel it you have to feel confidence in your decisions every single day you're going to be learning stuff as the tournament goes on but you have to if you go to try something and make an adjustment you have to feel it and if you don't feel it and you get scatterbrained, you start running around, you'll never catch them running around. So you have to have that level of smooth out at some point in the day. You do. One thing I'm tired of hearing about already, and I don't even know why I'm bringing it up here, but I, but I will. 
that stupid walleye with the weights oh in it. How gosh. tired are you of hearing about that thing? I, we had the gumbo cook off here this past weekend, and I bet you it got brought up to me about 12 times. It's nonstop. It's dude, nonstop. The dudes it, are the one no matter what. How dumb are they? Really dumb, evidently. It turns out. <laughs> I hope they watch They needed home. 16 pounds. Well, I don't really care if they're watching this. I mean, <laughs> we're not the only ones calling them dumb. Um, right. It, uh, they, from what I know, they needed they needed 16 pounds to secure angler of the year or team of the year, whatever it was. They had 21, 22 pounds of fish, whatever it was, 23, 24. And, and, and made and them they made weight three. What, what I don't understand is like, how big are your ball? Like, dude, I get it that people cheat. For people to think that nobody will ever cheat is stupid. It's like, stupid. people will rob 7 Eleven for $500. Absolutely. You don't think they're going to try to cheat? Um, but what amazes me is more you read into it, like people had been after them for over a year, like saying these guys are cheating. These guys are cheating. They're doing pre-tournament interviews like as cocky as possible. Just kick back and, you know, we'll probably catch them again because that's what winners do. Winners win. And I'm just like, if you ain't first class. <laughs> to watch it all go down, I'm like, just how big are your balls to like, it must be a sickness. It has to be a, a same person. Would have taken as much as they've taken and been like, we're out. You know, we're not, we're, we're just tired of you guys ruining the sport for us or whatever excuse they'd come to. Um, but they, they weren't going to stop anytime soon by the looks of things. They, thought they were in like uncatchable. That's what they thought. They thought they were just invincible. <laughs> it just blows my mind. Every time I saw it, they were, there was nothing discreet about it either. I mean, no. It's like taking a five pound bass, you put, two pounds worth of weights in that bass. You know, the difference between a five and seven pound bass. Yeah. And that's how the, the guy said, you know, we need pictures with those fish. And they took them out of the bag and they were like all oh, five pound walleye when they should have been what seven to eight pound walleye. Yeah. They were like, nah, bro. And the difference between a seven or eight pound walleye and a five pound walleye is literally like the different, like visually looking. It's like taking a three pound bass and trying to tell somebody, it's a six it's a, or seven. It's exactly. not even like it's, it's not, not even close. close. It, I mean, and it just blows me. Like the more I think about it, I'm like, I can tell within a pound, the most part, when the fish are in the bag, when they're folded over by Lisa, like when they hit the stage, I know, you know, you can just, you and got. sometimes the, the fold is, raw, you know, not as tight or whatever, and you're a little off. But for the most part, I'm you like, okay, that's 17 or that's 20 or, you know, what do they think that nobody's ever going to notice it? So I'm going to ask you the obvious question. Is there any cheating that happens in the elite series? Ooh. I, hmm. You know, dude, I, I have a very, 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 very big pet peeve with cheating. If you cheat, you're a thief to me. Yeah. I, I, I could never do it and have a clear conscience and, um, you know, there's been some things in our sport, not our league, that has come up here really uh past couple of years that periodically was the word you were looking for. Yeah, oh, this is that's what we're looking for. Just well, that's what you started. Go um, ahead. Sorry to interrupt. I'm bad at this job. It's all good. Uh so you know, I feel like a few rules get tested in the elite series. Um I, I can't say that anybody's deliberately cheating i just feel like you know the 
I feel like the, if anything, one thing gets pushed to the limits is the no information rule. I feel like he gets pushed and uh, that needle gets threaded, I guess you could say, which whether or not people are breaking the rules, or I'm not here to say that or call anybody out. I just feel like it's a very hard thing to police. And, you know, if you if you have that gray area, a few people without integrity will push it, I guess you can say. So what's the per- what, how do you fix that? Man, that's a good question. Um, you know, the, the, the periodic polygraphs, the random polygraphs is a big one. I, I, I believe in that hardcore. Um, you know, the no information deal is, is always been it. My first year when I came in, that's when it got implemented. So I had to teach myself about it very soon. So the way it's written is you can't solicit information. Uh, so, you know, people, you're going to go up to a gas station, like guys, they're on the watermelon red fluke. Man, you can't tell me nothing. You know, you got to stop them. You got to stop people everywhere you go. As long as I do that, I'm doing my part, you know? Yeah. So it, 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 um, it's just whether or not everybody tells them to stop or, you know, certain people will post certain things on social media and use the whole, well, it was public knowledge type of thing. It, there's ways that people push it. Yeah. But for the most part, I will say that I don't think it goes on. I'm, I need to clear this up. I don't think, I don't think it's a major problem, but it does happen. Best way I can say it. Yeah. I, I think, I think that it's all in how you look at competition too. I mean, yes. there's uh, to remove it from our sport a big series that a lot of people have watched in the last number of years is that Netflix series that's done in formula one. And I don't know if you've seen it, but if you watch it, like you're watching crew chiefs cheat and to them, it's like, well, no, we're not cheating. We're skirting the rules. Like the way they look at it is like, you know, something's supposed to be a certain weight. Well, it is that weight. It's just distributed differently. And it's, you know what I mean? Like different stuff. Like they'll even, They'll even protest each other, knowing that the protest isn't going to hold, but right. just wanting to distract the other team while they're competing, like get them working on this protest so they can't work on other things. And you watch that. I'm like, if any of this happened in fishing, people would be going absolutely nuts. Like it, it's it's funny how sports are different that way. I mean, the other thing that's modern is everybody's freaking out about that to a hit. And it was scary to watch as a big NFL fan. It was scary to watch. I'm also a big MMA fan. That exact thing is celebrated. Like you watch somebody get knocked out. And if they stiff out like that, everybody's like ESPN is playing it over and over again. Everybody. It's a highlight. But when it happens in football, because there's a bunch of movies about it, everybody's like, whoa, this is different. It's weird how, there's different rules, but I think our sport tries to keep to the highest standard. And, and I, and I would go online to say, there's nobody cheating. I mean, yeah, there might be some rules, stuff like that. You know, does somebody speed through a fast zone? I'm sure they do. People also, yeah. yeah, People also don't fully stop at a stop sign. Sometimes that doesn't make them the same as a dude who, you know, run somebody over to hit and run or whatever. Um, all of it's wrong, but I just think when you get to the elite series level, you're so scrutinized. You're so like, it'd be so hard to get away with anything. Absolutely. And 
There's no Go way ahead. you can put fish. <laughs> There's just, like you said, you're so scrutinized. There's so many eyes on you. You know, they do a great job with the Marshall program. We have somebody sitting in our boat, make sure we're following all the rules. Um, now, to, to break the rules, you have to be trying very, very hard to break the rules. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I also think, I mean, I think that, that a lot of those things are sh short term. Like, you know, if somebody is getting assistance with spots from somebody, I mean, dude, I, I at the end of the day, you got to catch them. You know what I, I mean? There's, there's part I, of me yeah. that wishes it was wide open, let them do whatever they want. And I still think the same people are going to win. Like the yep. majority, it, it doesn't matter what the rule is because I mean, I'm pretty good buddies with KVD. He could literally give me his graph with all his waypoints. I still would not accomplish the crap that Kevin Van Dam's accomplished. You know, and I'm man enough to admit it. Most people aren't. Um, the same way. I can't catch other people's fish. That's the truth, too. It, it, it goes back to talking about that filter thing, you know, like listen to what people have to say. Like even if it's other anglers talking about how they're catching them in practice, you have to be able to filter through that to know that if, do, if this guy's on the one deal and he's, he's, you know, I know he's not lying to me. He's willing to tell me to help me, but if it's not my main deal, I can't do it. I better not do it. I better go fish for my fish. It's a big deal. And you can't, you can't take the confidence of an area of a, approach from a, somebody's word. I mean, the, the person that has that spot created that spot. They got that confidence through days and weeks of catching right. them that way and it doesn't matter you couldn't give them that confidence you know what i mean like you need to fish your own way and it just seems over and over again that's proven you know like the biggest mistake anybody makes when they first come to the elite series is listening to doc talk and trying to fish like other people did that Don't ever work. happen to you oh yes dude oh yes and you know it it came down to you know it i want to say it came down to like listening to the doc talk, we, we, we passed the rules, how you can't look on social media to see how people are catching them. I love that. Love that rule that we came out with, with that deal. But how do you do that? I, have, exactly. I know that That's rule, but like, I, I mean, dude, like if I don't watch a fight one night and I don't want to find out who won it by scrolling through my phone or whatever, or I don't watch an episode of some show or whatever that me and my wife were into, I find that out from spoiler alerts. How do you like? Do you just not go on social media through? You just you, a tournament. You just, if you see Bass Nation post during the tournament, you just got to keep scrolling. It's it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy. But I, I wow. get it though. So you know, if if you're on a pre-spawn tournament and you were to watch it and watch one guy catching one off the bed, and you know it's on the bed because he got a big old white crawl hanging out of his mouth when he does catch it, you're like, oh, I seen this guy in that creek. It must mean they're on beds in that creek. So the second day of the tournament, I was to go in there and fish for bed to be really messed up. You know what I mean? Just cutting it. So I like that rule. It's very difficult to do, but it's a, it's a good rule. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how, how guys don't do it, but, but I get it. I mean, I think it is the right rule, um, but it still doesn't change it because if you lead on day one, there's going to be more people in your spot, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent. And they'll say they were in a different boat position or whatever. But let's say bring it to day three. I mean, the more money on the line, the more risks people are going to take, the more aggressive people are going to be. 
it, it's it's part of competition. Um, so I, I think our group is a very clean group, but I, I, I think, think any group that's competing is always looking for an advantage. Like, I mean, Absolutely. what do you think it means when you watch an MLF event and they said angler says, how's so-and-so doing? Like they specifically <laughs> start asking about certain anglers. They're gathering information. They don't care about that person as much as you may think. They're, no. They know that that person's fishing docks and I need to be there or that person's offshore or whatever. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think I think our group's a very clean group. I think I think if anybody's doing anything, it's going to get exposed in a hurry. And it's probably going to get exposed before you make the Elite Series. And if it hasn't got exposed, then it's going to get exposed. Um, but the crappy part is for the rest of our lives. Every Christmas party, every birthday party, we're going to have to hear about that stupid walleye that had all those weights <laughs> in its belly. I mean, it's it's what it's what novice fans of the sport think. You know what I mean? Like, what's to stop somebody from just filling their fish full of of lead? It it it's got to be one of the viral most viral things that happens this year. I mean, what? I think it's the biggest thing that's happened to fishing, like media wise. It is the absolutely. biggest thing to happen to fishing, maybe in my life. Like literally, when you the guys start were on Fox News, national news. DMZ, everything, like, everything. It's crazy. It, it, and the sad part is, I I didn't follow a lot of the fishing stuff on it, but I did, out of curiosity, follow it on TMZ. I did follow it on Barstool and stuff like that. And the sad thing is, if you read the comments on all those people from outside, everybody in our world is like, "This is ridiculous." Those guys. We all feel like the people that were yelling stuff in the background right. felt. But, dude, outside of here, you, you know, there was a bunch of people like uh, somebody commented on one of the Barstool tweets and they commented. Um, they better get fined to the full extent of whatever. And then people just started shredding that. But what what are they going to get fined for putting lead in a fist? What is it like? They make it seem like it's small, but. I mean, it's 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 one of the most blatant, gross approaches to cheating ever. You're stealing money. You're a thief. You're not just a cheater. You're a thief. You're guaranteeing yourself to steal the jackpot, the win. You're a thief. That's point blank. That's what it is. Don't be a thief. Don't be a thief. <laughs> Don't be. A thief. I got. Ooh, that's a pet peeve, bud. No, I, I agree. I mean, I think a liar and a thief are the two worst things to be. Um, they, 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 it's, it's gross, but it's also gross that in, we live in a world where some of that is celebrated now. Like you hear people in other sports. Yeah. He plays a little dirty, but he wins. And, you know, and crying. Oh, I hate that shit. <laughs> I hate it's when horrible. People it's horrible. It's horrible. What else do we have to talk about, Caleb? Not too much, man. I'm, I'm... Tell me the dumbest thing you saw happen on the Elite Series that nobody else got to see this year. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, man, the dumbest Because our real thing... conversations involve a whole lot less of this walleye deal and more about, did you hear what so-and-so did? <laughs> Look I don't him. think he I have any one thing on stories. I hate to be boring, but I don't think I have any one thing on deck. Oh, you candy ass. You told me you would tell <laughs> everything. And now he's not telling anything. But, all right. Well, 
I'm probably going to have some other people on this show in the future, and I'll make sure they tell me stuff about you then. Might have to. <laughs> Your face is getting redder by the second, Caleb. <laughs> Dude, you are a uh, a great person, a great friend, a great angler, and a great asset to the Bassmaster Elite Series. Man, and uh, It means a lot. I thank you for, for everything, but most of all, I thank you for your friendship and uh, usually your honesty. <laughs> I appreciate you, brother. Uh, Big okay, time, we're, done, man. we're done recording now. Now tell me some stuff. Uh <laughs> no, we're not really done. <laughs> <laughs> I see the recording on the top. <laughs> Damn, he's smarter than I thought. <laughs> Bob Cobb, take it away. Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to. You hear?